What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello and welcome to a bonus edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. This is a pregame show for the upcoming game against Ole Miss, assuming it doesn't get rained out. We have a special treat in that I probably outpunted my coverage uh, in terms of media personalities, and I was able to score uh, Neil McCready. Uh, for those of you who may be aware, he is uh, formerly uh, talk show radio in Mobile, uh, an award-winning uh, journalist. He actually covered Auburn for a number of years. Uh, we'll forgive him that, but uh, he has worked in uh, Oxford with the Rebel Grove, which is the rival site uh, for Ole Miss, and is a host of the Oxford Exxon uh, podcast. And so I'm going to pass it over to that interview, but uh, we talked for 20, 20 or so minutes, and it's a really good uh, discussion, and I hope you enjoy, and uh, maybe give us some feedback. With that, here's, here's the interview, and roll tide. Hey, podcast fans, we have a treat for you today. We have an award-winning journalist, publisher over at uh, Rebel Grove, and host of the Oxford Exxon podcast. We have the one and only, the Neil McCready. Neil, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, Dave. Nice to be here. Fantastic. Hey, I want to jump in, and uh, I I saw it was an article that you wrote, a comment that you made, and uh, I thought it was interesting. You you sort of let off that Ole Miss is relevant again. And I yeah. wonder if you can kind of expound upon that. Some of the, some of the thinking uh, behind that concept. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, if you go back to about 2014, 2015, Ole Miss was, was nationally competitive to some degree in those seasons. They, uh, they had a couple of big wins over Alabama in the regular season. They went to two uh, access bowls. They won the sugar bowl in January of 2016. And then after that day, if you track that, from that point forward, they beat Oklahoma State in that in that Sugar Bowl to finish. I can't remember where they finished nationally in the polls, tenth ish. If you uh, if you go since that day, they've had NCAA issues. They've had the Hugh Freeze thing. They've had two notices of allegations. Had a two year bowl ban. They um, hired Matt Luke, which, as unfair as it was to Matt, that wasn't a popular hire. Right. Um. And then they've lost. I mean, the last few years they they went they went five and seven, six and six, five and seven, four and eight, and they had become. If you go back to the Egg Bowl last year at Mississippi State, on that night, what was Ole Miss known for? It was known for Elijah Moore lifting his leg and doing the thing in the end zone, and then the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, and Luke Logan misses an extra point. And they lose a one-point game on Thanksgiving night to Mississippi State, and everybody is going, "Ha ha! That Egg Bowl, that Egg Bowl's funny. That Egg Bowl's great, man. I mean, you know, we all 
have our turkey and drink some whiskey afterwards and, and giggle at the rebels and the bulldogs. Well, that's not relevance. Right. And they went out and they hired Lane Kiffin who is relevant. Lane Kiffin is a national story. Again, Ole Miss was four and eight last year. Mm -hmm. And when college game day opened up the, the day that Ole Miss was opening its season against Florida, one of their first stories was Lane Kiffin. So it was Ole Miss. Right. Now, it wasn't Ole Miss. It was Lane Kiffin. But Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss's coach. He's wearing Ole Miss's stuff. So they play Florida, and they played Florida pretty well. Florida's a good team. I think Florida's the second or third best team in the SEC this year. And Ole Miss played them okay. I lost 51-35, to 35, I think. So technically a two-score game. Ole Miss had the football at the end trying to make it a one-score game. They were never a factor to win the game, but they were fun. Mm -hmm. And then last week, they go to Kentucky, and Kentucky was a good team last year. And Ole Miss goes to Kentucky and wins, and they do it in kind of a crazy fashion. They go to overtime, and their kid misses an extra point, and Ole Miss makes the extra point, and boom, you win a game, and there's Lane Kiffin, and you're on Dan Patrick's show, and you're on Barstool, and you're on all this stuff, and you're relevant. The Ole Miss brand it's, is out there. The Ole Miss brand, for the first time in five years, is not about Hugh Freeze and massage parlors and NCAA stuff and Laramie Tunsil with the gas mask. It's Lane Kiffin, and it's fun. Right. And it's, you know, it's kind of people are intrigued by it. People are excited by it. Lane Kiffin's on the Dan Patrick Show today. Ole Miss is a 24, I haven't seen the line since yesterday, 24-point-ish underdog to Alabama it might have shifted a point or two somewhere I don't know but they're a three and a half score underdog to Alabama and the Ole Miss coach is on the Dan Patrick show and it's yes he's on the show because he used to work for Saban and that dynamic and all of that but regardless he's the Ole Miss coach and he's on the Dan Patrick show so yeah they're relevant and that doesn't mean when I say that people go oh you're saying they're back nope not saying that it's a different thing I'm saying you're relevant you gotta, but you got to be relevant before you can get back. Yes. Getting back is a process. Becoming relevant, that's the, that's the first step. And I'm going to say this, and this is not me comparing Ole Miss to Alabama. I'm not saying that. But I was in Alabama when Alabama fired Mike Shula. And on the day that Alabama fired Mike Shula, people can argue all they want, but Alabama was losing its relevance. They were still relevant. They're still a great program. It was Bear Bryant and all of that stuff. But Alabama was no longer considered a year-in, year-out national power because, Dave, it wasn't. Right. They became relevant the day they hired Nick Saban. Yes. Now, it took him a couple of years to get where Alabama is today, and he's had a decade that is unmatched in college athletics by anyone not named John Wooden. That's how much of a dominant decade plus that he's had at Alabama. It's remarkable. He's the greatest coach that's ever coached in college football, period. Better than his predecessor at Alabama, Bear Bryant, better than anybody else. The run that he's had at Alabama is will go down in history as incredible. But he had to get relevant first. Yep. He, he made Alabama relevant again, nationally elite relevant. Dabo Sweeney had to make Clemson relevant before he made Clemson a power. Now, can Lane Kiffin make Ole Miss a power? I have no idea. I'm not saying that. Sure. But I'm saying in very short order, 
and really in a, just a couple of weeks because COVID killed the spring. COVID killed the summer. We didn't know we were playing football till middle of August. In very short order, Lane Kiffin has made Ole Miss relevant. And if this game is played on Saturday or Sunday or Friday or November 7th or whenever it's played, a big part of the storyline is going to be Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Relevance is a gateway to recruiting, right? And so Lane, not just cult of personality, but the relevance that he brings and sort of the uplift to the program is is, is an instant boost to recruiting. You could bring in a lot of competent, capable, quality coaches, but if they don't have that extra juice – then you don't have quite that same level of relevance. I think I think you're exactly right. So he has a brand that becomes attractive to kids. Right. The brand becomes attractive to young people. The young people come, they look at it, and then what he has to sell is, because he's going to go after the same kids that Auburn and Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee and Florida are recruiting. Well, he doesn't have the winning to sell to them yet. So what he has to be able to sell to them is you can be a building block. Yes. You can go to Alabama and be the fifth straight middle linebacker to go to the NFL out of Alabama, or you can come here and be the first. Now, for some kids, they're going to say, hey, man, I want the proven track. Sure. And But there might be the kid that goes, that's appealing to me, and I like playing for Kiffin, and I like this. I mean, he came in, and right away, they, they broke out the powder blue uh, jerseys for the first time in the school's history. Kid, They didn't do that for people our age, man. They right. did that for kids because kids love that. Kids, kids, and kids said, "Hey, this is fresh. This is hip. I like that. That's cool. It pops." Aren't many powder blue teams in the country? Not named North Carolina. There's a lot of teams that wear red jerseys. There's a lot of teams that wear navy jerseys. He's he gets it. I'm telling you, this guy gets it. Now, will it work? I don't know. Tom can he stay, there, yeah. can he stay out of his own way for a long period of time? I don't know. Right. But he's interesting, and the media likes him. And the TV cameras like him, and he gets attention. And when you get attention, the kids notice. And if you start bringing in the kind of kids, the winning happens. Yeah. Hey, those are sweet unis, though. I, I have to say, they they They're look nice. pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. it's good. that that powder blue is a good look. Hey, I think uh, it's this Ole Miss team. Uh, you know, just as you're saying, is a very confident team. Uh, you know, they battled back. You mentioned the Kentucky Dan- Kentucky game. They battled back. Not only won in overtime, but they had they had to overcome some deficit there. There's a lot of talent at the skill positions. Uh, You know, you could argue two quarterbacks, uh, a couple of running backs. Uh, Every week there's a new emerging wide receiver and this tight end. We know tight ends lately this season have given Alabama troubles. There's a lot of confidence on the offensive side of the ball. Talk to us about that. Yeah, a lot of confidence, especially in the passing game. Uh, Matt Corral's been terrific. I mean, you look at his numbers over two games, that's an awfully small sample size, but over two games – his pass efficiency numbers, his quarterback rating numbers, he's right there with uh, Mac, Mac Jones and with Trevor Lawrence and uh, that kind of group, the kid at BYU uh, whose name escapes me right now, those kind of kids, that's who, that's who he's listed with. Uh, Kyle Trask at Florida, that, those are the top five in QBR right now. And Corral's, I think he's one or two, I'm not sure. Uh, he's right there with Jones. Um, I know he's third on the pass efficiency behind Jones and, and the kid at, uh, at BYU. So um, under the Matt Lewis. Well, I mean, so, yes, what I was going to say is yeah, I mean, yeah. they're explosive. They're doing a lot of things. They, they Elijah Moore is a, a very talented wide receiver. And like you mentioned, they've had some other guys start to emerge. Uh, Jonathan Mingo was a highly recruited kid out of high school that Ole Miss just didn't use him in the past and game a year ago. Um, they've, you know, Kenny Yaboa transferred from, from Temple. They kind of caught a break there. And um, 
Yeah, they're explosive on offense. Now, they'd like to get the running game going a little bit more with Jerry and Ely. They'd like to get the offensive line to be a little bit more consistent. But, you know, Kentucky's got a very good defensive line, and Kentucky's defensive line does that to a lot of people. So, you know, they, they, they had some success on the ground against Florida. They didn't have any against Kentucky, but they've, they've been successful in the air. And, look, Ole Miss isn't going to compete with Alabama on Saturday or whenever this game's played. They're not, they're not ready for that. But they can, they can score points, and they can make games exciting, and they can put a team, probably not a team like Alabama, maybe some teams like A&M, Auburn, in a situation where you have a bad day, yep. you have two or three bad turnovers, you make some bad mistakes, you can get popped. I don't, I don't think Alabama is capable of beating itself with Ole Miss on the field. But I think this team's going to be better than, than it was a year ago. They're going to be more capable of winning games. The proof of that is they won a game on Saturday in Lexington that they never would have won a year ago. Yeah, I, I agree. Talk about, um, you know, Matt Luke when he, when he was on site, you know, and I know there was injuries that kind of rotated the quarterback situation, but he seemed to, to get hung on the, the Plumlee. Uh, kid and and to some thought that that Matt would uh, would transfer. That's so commonplace these days. Yeah, uh, it seemed like Lane it was he was new life, right? Yeah, yeah. Look, there, listen, it, it, it's it, more than more than we have time to get into. Last year, when when Corral got hurt and they were running that Rich Rodriguez offense, that I'm telling you, man, people knew what was coming. Yep, it was predictable, and they ran that offense and. When he got hurt, they put Plumley in, and Plumley engineered this late fourth quarter comeback that almost got them over the hump and almost beat Cal. And then what happened? If you go back and remember it, Ole Miss went to Alabama, for example. This became a pattern, and I, I would be amazed that people wouldn't see it. So they play Alabama, and Alabama jumps up. I think it was thirty-eight to seven or something, and then Alabama takes its foot off the gas, and Plumley makes some plays. And then later, they went to Auburn. Same thing. Auburn had a game at LSU the next week. Auburn jumps all over Ole Miss and basically goes, turn it off, save it, let's not get anybody hurt. And that happened game after game after game. And the media said, they're that close. Well, the media would say, look at this Plumley kid. Yeah. Look at this Plumley kid. He can really run, and he can play the piano, and he plays baseball, and, and, and all that. And, and I'm not making fun of John Rice Plumley, but – there was no point in those games where Alabama was worried about it. It happened with LSU. LSU had been to Alabama the week before, won that super emotional game in Tuscaloosa to really cement their status as the national title favorite. And they come to Ole Miss a week later, had some injuries, all that stuff. That Alabama game had been real physical. And they jump up way ahead of Ole Miss, and they turn it off at halftime. And then Plumlee eviscerates their defense in the second half. But Ole Miss didn't win the game. Ole Miss wasn't competitive in the game. And then by the end of the year, Plumlee was banged up. You, you can't win in this league with a running quarterback like that. But Plumlee had become their brand, and Matt Luke thought, I think, that Plumlee, who's a Mississippi kid, all that stuff, I think they thought that would buy them more time. And it almost did. But it didn't. And, yeah, he's breathed a different sort of life. They're running a pro-style offense. They're running – the kind of offense that elite programs run. And it's, again, it's all about recruiting. You're not, you're not going to go out and get the, um, the Luke Altmyers, 
the Ty Simpsons. These are the kids that quarterback that they're recruiting. And then there's a kid in, um, in New Orleans named Manning that's a sophomore in high school that they're recruiting. You're not going to get those kinds of kids. Arch Manning's not going to come to Ole Miss, regardless of the family ties, so that he can run a, run, a running offense. He'll consider Ole Miss if they're slinging it all over the place and you have a quarterback who's in the top five in pass efficiency and quarterback rating and those kind of things. I guarantee you that, that Arch Manning is aware of Matt Corral's numbers these first two weeks. Well, yeah, I, mean, I had to do a double take. And that's relevance. That is that is relevance, right? I that's spot on. I had to do a double take uh, when I saw you know twenty four, twenty nine, three twenty four touchdowns against yep. Kentucky. That is a stat line. You know that that's an impressive. And you're right. All these quarterback recruits, they see that. It's an indictment on Matt Luke and Rich Rodriguez too. They were going to run that kid off on the basis of he couldn't make good decisions. Lane Kiffin's come in. You guys at Alabama know this. This is what Lane Kiffin's great at. Everybody does all the stuff about Lane Kiffin's personality and Lane Kiffin's yeah. Twitter feed and all that stuff. What Lane Kiffin's great at is taking kids like Blake Sims, Jake Coker, figuring yep. out, hey, here's here's what you do well, here's what you don't do well, and I'm going to simplify this. I'm going to make this a two-read offense instead of a four-read offense. Look, I didn't cover Alabama, but I talked to a lot of people who did, and they'll tell you that the knock on Coker was early on was his ability to read defenses, his ability to make yep. decisions. Lane Kiffin simplified that for him and said, look, you've got an arm. Use it. Here's what we're going to do. Here's your read. Here's the next read. Do this, this. Divided the field in thirds. Divided the field in halves. That's what he's done with Matt Corral. And the numbers speak for themselves. Yep, Absolutely. Absolutely. How about that offensive line? I think there's three starters returning from last year. Uh, there's been some players sort of move, moving around. Uh, guard moves to center. A center uh, last year's center sort of opted out. It's going to transfer. I think a guard went to tackles. So yep. they've kind of shuffled the deck, but there's three uh, guys out there. How are they performing? How do you think they're going to gel as the season progresses? I think that's the key word. I think they will gel to some degree as the season goes on. That, that offensive line unit also had some COVID issues in the preseason, so they lost some time to work together. Um, two new starters uh, in Cunningham and McIntyre. And then, like you mentioned, Ben Brown's moved to center. They think he's an NFL center. Yeah. But, but he's played guard the last couple of years, so there's some adjustment there. Uh, they like Broker at tackle, and they moved um, – um, oh, gosh, and the terrible names escaping me right now. Um, they moved a guard out out to tackle a, a Royce, year. Royce Newman. Yeah, yeah Royce Newman, yeah, thanks. Yeah. They moved uh, Newman to tackle, so and he's done pretty well. But, yeah, you just – you know, it's – Offensive lines like to play together for a while, and this one hasn't been together very long. But they've had some moments. They've been pretty good in pass protection at times. They've had some moments in run protection. They just haven't been able to put it all together. But, look, they've played two good teams. They're about to play another good one, too. I mean, Florida's good and very very athletic, and Kentucky's very good up front on defense. They, people don't give them enough credit for how good they are up front. They're good. I agree. I agree. Neil, I've got to ask. We've got to flip the field. We've got to talk about defense. Um is it is it youth experience talent scheme what's uh what's not gelling on the defensive side they're not big enough and they're not fast enough i mean this is a look you're you're talking about there in alabama one of the top i don't know two programs in the country over the last 5 years that's not scheme i mean i'm not criticizing anybody sure. at alabama but i'm just let's be real right you know it's this is this is about athletes Nick Saban's turned Alabama around because he's made them consistent and he's made them a consistent recruiting power. He gets elite players in there and then puts them in a system that, that makes it work. If you take the elite player portion out of that, it's not as effective. Right. So 
this is all about athleticism. This is about size, speed. They're just having a hard time getting to the quarterback. They're having a hard time filling gaps and stopping runs. And they're getting beat on some matchups with wide receivers. It, it's just it's the whole thing. It's all three levels. It's it's a new scheme. DJ Durkin's a very good defensive coach. Uh, they've got they've got a, a good staff over there. That's where for them they're using these games as canvases, if you will, when they get in touch with these elite players to say, "Hey, look, see what we're trying to do with number whatever." That's you. You're better than him. If we had you, we would have made this play and this play and this play. And that's going to be their recruiting pitch. And usually that kind of thing kind of works. If a kid thinks a program is fun and exciting and on the rise and all of those things, you know, but look, you don't give up 642 yards to Florida and 500 and whatever it was, 70 yards or whatever to Kentucky. And it'd be just a, a thing here or a thing there. It's, right. it's, a, it's everything. It's everything. Yep. Yep. I'll tell you a, a, a quick Dabo story. Uh, I was in, uh, uh, went to Alabama when, when Dabo was there and when he was a player, I uh, actually went to grad school uh, with Dabo. And so at that point he was, uh, he was a GA. And so we used to talk to him, you know, football a little bit. And one of the things that, that you could almost just see the surprise in his eye, he said, when I was a player, I thought it was all about the coaches. I thought it was all about the scheme. Now that I'm on the coaching side of it, dude, it's the horses. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 about athletes, and yeah, it's you know you look at the really good programs, and they're the ones that are recruiting at a really high level. Right. I mean, there's there's you can coach up guys and that kind of thing, but you're not you're not winning SEC championships with middle three stars. Right. You're, you're just not. Right. And, you know, everybody loves to everybody loves to tell the story of the NFL draft when some kids are the two star and nobody recruited him. Yeah, it's a story because it's rare. Right, right, right. It's it is the exception, right? That's yeah. the exception that really proves the rule. Yeah. So talk about you know bringing in this talent, recruiting. Um, it it appears that Lane Kiffin is like you said the relevance that he's sort of pulling out all stops. There's a couple of kids that he's brought down from Canada, the transfer from Temple, uh, Otis Reese coming over from Georgia, waiting for him uh, him to be cleared. It looks like a situation where Lane is trying to find talent wherever he can, you know, to sort of put it onto the roster. Yeah, he talks about this all the time that that he thinks it's more of an NFL model now, where you you, you use different uh, methods to bring players into your roster. You don't you, the days of, hey, I'm going to go sign 25 guys and I'm going to redshirt them, and I'm, that's over. Right. You know, keep in mind now with Kiffin, their plan was to be very active and aggressive in the spring as it pertained to recruiting. They were going to use spring practice as a way to bring a lot of guys in get guys excited, get guys to see what was going on, get them around town, let them see the baseball crowds, all of that stuff. Sure. Well, they couldn't do any of that. COVID happened. And so in many ways, their whole recruiting plan has been backed up a full year. You know, so I think their hope at this point is that, you know, at some point in early in 2021, the dead period is lifted and they're able to get back to some degree of normalcy and aggression and recruiting, and they can start bringing guys in. Right now, they, they're recruiting almost blindfolded. You right. know, they, they can't bring kids in. And, you know, so these elite kids have been elite kids for three years. And so those kids have been to Georgia. They've been to Alabama. They've been to Auburn, fill in the blank, Tennessee. You sure. know, they've met with those coaching staffs as is. They've not met with this coaching staff as is. Lane Kiffin was at Florida Atlantic the last three years. People do a lot of the stuff about Lane Kiffin, the former Alabama coach and the former USC coach and whatever. Yeah, but the last three years he was at FAU. 
Well, FAU wasn't recruiting the same kids that Alabama and Georgia and Florida are recruiting. So, you know, there's a there's a catch up that has to happen, and it really can't happen with with COVID still operating. So they've had to kind of change the way they've done things and be more aggressive in the transfer portals and that kind of stuff. What they're doing right now is I don't think really what they're hoping to do here in the next 24 months or so. Right. So talk about the excitement. Is there enough excitement to go across the state? You've got Mike Leach. Now you've got Lane Kiffin. It's a remade football environment, is it? Yeah, it's a lot more fun, a lot more uh, some of the some of the hates out of it, at least for right now, which is good. Um, yeah, look, he Kiffin's going to upset some people with this. He's not going to focus on just Mississippi. He's just that's not he's not going to take a kid because a kid's from Hattiesburg or Kosciuszko or Meridian. He's not going to do it. And so he's not going to get hung up on that. And that's going to bother some people. Yeah. And so the plan that he has, I guess this is in a nutshell, the plan that he has is to make Ole Miss a national brand. Can he do it? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, he's only been here a few months. Right. And most, and most of that was in COVID. Yep. So, you know, who knows? I'm not going to sit here and say it can't be done. I'm not going to sit here and say it can be done. We're going to find out. If anybody can do it, it's someone like him. It's, you know, and, and kids don't care about tradition that much. Kids don't go, well, I'm not going to go to school X because school X didn't win. Look at Oregon. When I was a kid, Oregon sucked. Right. You know what I mean? And now Oregon's yep. an attractive brand to kids. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I think it's a fun story to follow. It's a story that's just in its very early pages. And, you know, but it's going to be interesting down the road. I mean, I'm interested to see what I'm, – I'm far more interested to see what an Ole Miss-Alabama game in 2022 looks like than I am Saturday or Friday, yep. November, whenever these two teams play. It's, there's not a lot of drama this time around. There might be in two years. It might be a lot more interesting to see, you know, does Ole Miss go into that game in two years as a nine-point underdog, an eight-point underdog, as opposed to a 25-point underdog. You know, that, that's the kind of thing, you know, they can – you can do it here. Hugh Freeze proved that. Now, you have to be able to sustain it here, and nobody's been able to prove that. Yeah. Some of that was Freeze's own undoing. And, you know, can Kiffin stay out of his own way? We'll see. I don't know, but – they're, they're off to a good start in terms of getting kids excited, getting kids interested. More and more, there's kids that are starting to talk about Ole Miss in their top five and their top six. That wasn't happening the last three years. So now you got to get out of the top five and into the top one. Right. There, there's a step there, too. But they're, they're, making, some, they're making some strides, and they're, they're a lot more fun to follow and to cover and to watch. And, and it's a process. And he said that. He's, like he said this week, there's no pixie dust. Right. This is – this is work, but they're all still good part. Well, let me get you out of here on this. Um, I, you know, the line, like you said, is varied. Uh, I saw 24 and a half earlier today. Uh, this may be a weather question, uh, but uh, are you given or taken? Um, I'm inclined to, 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 uh, to lay the points right now and to take Alabama. Um, now the weather, like you said, I mean, there's some wild cards here. You know, look, if it's, if it's, if they're playing in the middle of a tropical depression, which is certainly possible where it's pouring down rain and the wind's blowing sideways. That doesn't work in Ole Miss's favor at all. They'd like to run the football and I mean, throw the football and you can't do it in that. Now I'm sure Nick Saban in the back of his mind knows what's coming in a week. 
So, you know, at some point, people do the whole thing about Saban and Kiffin. You might know this better than me. It's difficult for me to believe that Nick Saban hates Lane Kiffin. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't buy that. Lane Kiffin was good for his program until the end. Lane Kiffin made brought some excitement to his program. Lane Kiffin modernized his offense. It's an offense that they basically continued to run over the last few years. So it's difficult for me to believe that Nick Saban has been licking his chops to whip Lane Kiffin's first Ole Miss team. I doubt that. So at some point, when they're up 25, 28 points, Saban's got to think about the game next week because that game next week is against the team who's been there for a while, who's built the program, who has hurt Alabama on the recruiting trail, and who is close. Yes. Ole Miss can't beat Alabama. George can. George can. So he's got to he's got to think about that. So from a point pre, point spread standpoint, I mean, if you told me that Ole Miss trailed by twenty eight most of the day and ended up losing by twenty on kind of a backdoor cover, I'd buy it. Yeah, it's but I think the line's about right. They they built those buildings in Vegas with cash for a reason. Right. Twenty four is about right. I I'd be surprised if Ole Miss played within seventeen points, and I'd be surprised if they lost by more than thirty one. So I think it's in that range, which is a big range. I know people are like, duh, but, you know, there's a lot of variables here that throw it off. And if they're playing in 40-mile-an-hour wind and a pouring down rain, you know, it could end up, it could end up being a, you know, a 24-3 to game. Yep. It really could. It really could. Neil, I really appreciate your time. I know our listeners do. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Have a great evening and uh, go, go Rebels uh, a week from Saturday. All right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Very good. Hey, Neil, thanks a bunch, man. I really do appreciate it. You're welcome. No problem. All right. Take care, man.